Romans 12. talking about a building. We see that in the New Testament. What is a local church made up of? Living stones. Who are those living stones? Look around. Don't do this. Look around. With Jesus Christ Himself being the chief cornerstone, the head of the corner, that, that portion of the foundation that the whole building is built off of and centered upon. And uh, as we started getting together here quite a while ago, a year and a half, God has just opened doors and worked and and done things in His timing. I don't know who I was talking to the other day, but I, I told him, I said, I am very slow and methodical. Because if there's one thing I've learned, you let God open the doors. You let God bring the folks. Now, do we need to have a testimony that draws people to Christ? Yes. <clears throat> do we need to, as it says in the New Testament, go out into the highways and byways and come? Tell them to come to hear the gospel. Okay, it, aren't, it ain't about clicking our church person time clock and somehow thinking God's impressed because He's not. But it's about the condition of our heart toward Him, toward one another, and toward those that are out there. And then God works and God puts things together and, and, and builds a local church as He wills by the way. See, I'm willing to let God be God. You know, I start trying to get my will done in heaven, things don't go very well. But we've been praying because you look around here this morning and we're missing three or four. So they'd be sitting on Bo's lap and Mike's lap and Clay'd have to sit in the corner. Which one? I'm not pushing it with him. He'll tell me. He'll give me what for. But uh, we've been praying for more room. And just so you know, uh, when we approached the 
folks for this. They weren't remotely interested. And then over time, God does what He does, and, and they came to us and said, you know, I think we'd be okay with that. And so God provided here. Well, now God's provided the building next door. We're going to go in there and kind of look around after church. We went in there a little bit. You know, there's room enough for 45, 50 people in there. And it ain't about numbers, but it's about what God's Word can do when we're under the hearing of God's Word. What's the Bible say? So faith cometh by hearing. And hearing comes by what? The Word of God. And so, you know, God's just doing what He does. You know, the Bible says in the, in the book of Psalms, as for God, His way is perfect. It means it works. You know, I think I told you the last class I ever had, this crazy theology professor I had for three years, I think he was one of these guys that had two doctorates by the time he was... 28 or 29, and I mean, he was something else. Sat under him, he's a good guy. <clears throat> Sat under him for three years in the last class. He goes, All right, guys, why have we been doing this for the last three years? You know, get out your pencils and paper. We're all ready for some deep theological truth, you know, that's going to like, ta da, you know. Or like on Gru, the light bulb thing. You guys don't know Gru? You've never seen that? Oh, you need to see Gru. No, Despicable Me, that's what it is. <clears throat> anyway, we're ready. And he goes, all right, here's why. And he, and he takes his Bible and he closes it. And he goes, because it works. And we're like, you couldn't have told us that the first day. And then we had been able to just, you know, because it works. And we allow get out of God's way, and God just keeps providing. So anyhow, all right, rolling into Romans 12, I want to read verse 21 again, and then we're going to springboard into chapter 13. <clears throat> And there's two things that I, if you leave here today with two things, usually it's one thing. Today I'm overloading you. Two things. The Bible says, be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Uh, we just spent in Romans 12 looking at, at <clears throat> what it is to be a living sacrifice and other to say, Lord, use me. Clean me up so that I'm a vessel to honor. Paul talks about that with Timothy. He said in a great house, there are vessels to honor and dishonor. <clears throat> Good way of putting that. Vessels to, to dishonor are the plates that I wash. The vessels to honor are the one that she washes or the dishwasher does. You, you get the difference? Because sometimes my idea of washing them is to call the dog over and they lick it off and it's just clean. And If I'm not careful, I forget and put it in the stack. You, know. you, you follow what I'm saying? Clean, usable. Hey, perfect? No. 
Every one of us here has areas in our life, like Bo says, that, that we're heading for the bottle. Every one of us has things in our life, you know, the, the Bible says in Hebrews 12, it says, Wherefore, seeing as we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which doth so easily beset us. All of us have areas in our life that we struggle with. But, as we move forward, as we grow, <clears throat> the Word of God and the Holy Spirit come together to kind of wean those things out and help us in our step-by-step -step growth. And we see that in Romans 12. The use of spiritual gifts. Our relationship with one another. Our relationship with those that are without, Colossians chapter 4 says. And it even talks about how we should behave when we're mistreated. When people wrong us. Because, you know, let's, let's just be honest. Somebody does something to us and really ticks us off. What, what's the first thing that comes to mind? That stupid jack wagon, when I get a chance, I'm going to... I don't know if I can say that in church, but I just did. I think Tim Hawkins said those are good. Those are Christian words. We can use. You know what I mean? I mean, we get fired up. You know, we're we're not about to turn the other cheek. We're not about to. You know, we're gonna. I'll show you. And he says, "Avenge not yourselves, dearly beloved." Yeah, you're going to get upset. You may get angry, but he said, God says, you let me sort it out. <clears throat> he said, in other words, what you need to do is don't be overcome with the mistreatment or evil or what is wrong against you, but you overcome it with your response, which is good. I had Bo read 2 Timothy 3, verse 1. In the last days, perilous times shall come. And then it goes to describe those things. And then in verse 12, it says, But all that live godly shall suffer persecution. Now, right now, our persecution is not like what's happening in China or what's happening in the Middle East. If you're a Christian in the Middle East, there's a very strong possibility that you're going to lose your life. persecution that we deal with in a way <clears throat> can be just as daunting toward us. And so he says don't overcome that persecution. Don't overcome what is evil towards you with evil. It doesn't work. I was telling you I, I used to have an old sheriff we had a news reporter. This was a long time ago. That's before he was born. 
and we had a news reporter start writing all kinds of stuff about the sheriff's department and one of the deputies. An old Mel Mefford, we used to call him Buford. And, and they interviewed him and he said, you know what, he said, I learned one thing, never get into a fight with a skunk. He said, I may win the fight, but I'm still going to end up smelling like a skunk. Only he, he livened it up just a hair. <laughs> Paul's telling him, he says, in a sense, that's what he's saying. When people mock you, when people rail against you, when people uh, try to deceive, when people speak out against don't get into a fight with it. What happens when Christians start fighting one another? Is God honored in that? Is the name of the Lord Jesus Christ lifted up in that? What does the world do? They look at us and go, there you go. You bunch of hypocrites. Well, yeah, we kind of are. But the world, it just gives them an excuse. It gives them ammunition. It gives them reasons to reject the Gospel. And I hate to tell you this, but we fall into that trap. Their blood is on our hands. In a spiritual way. In an eternal way. And as we grow, you know, God's doing some great things here. Let's just, let's just focus on us right now. God's doing some stuff. You know, there's people that know about you guys all over the western half of the United States. Yeah. Guys, you know, get a call once in a while and go, Buckhorn? Yeah. Problem there? You know, and I laugh. And they go, you know, I was talking to a guy and he said, there's this little church in Buckley. Mm -hmm. and, and we've experienced attacks. We've experienced comments made. You know, and the sad part that we need to understand is is those attacks and that evil that comes at us doesn't always come from the sources or the, 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 from where we expect. You know, when we get into Romans 13, we're going to look at government and our response to government. Now, right now, we're looking at government in our right here and now going, buddy... How much ammo do you have? You, you know what I'm saying? We look at the corruption, we look at all that, and we forget about what our response should be. We
we forget about our response, especially when attacks are directed at what's going on here. Things are said. Comments are made. You know, when government was established, it was ordained by God. Look at this. It says, Let every soul be subject unto higher powers, for there is no power but of God, and the powers that be are ordained of who? God. God established government. But what has happened? Man gets involved. Think about the Garden of Eden. Day one, God created. It was good. Day two, it was good. Day three, it was good. Day four, and so on, and so on, and so on. And then what happened? Man rebelled against God. I'm so glad you didn't say the woman. Well, I was getting to that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, fellas. I hate to say this, but Adam was right there. Because the Bible says Eve went, try this. So, we're not off the hook. But you know, man's got involved in greed and filth and corruption and the monster of more. Well, when we look at attacks that can come toward a local church, many times they come from, and I use the, the what do they call them? Air things? Quote deals? Yeah, whatever. They come from churches. You want to know why? Because greed and corruption and the monster of more and the monster of self have infiltrated the local church. You read in Revelation 3, chapters 2 and 3, we have the the seven churches. And there are some similarities in each of those churches to periods of church history. And the one that fits us right now is the church of Laodicea. And it's the one that is lukewarm. And Jesus said, I wish you were cold or hot, but because you're lukewarm, He said, I just want to spit you out of my mouth. We have that today. Churches have forgotten that the name of the Lord Jesus Christ is to be lifted up. That the Word of God is is our center and focus because it does what? It tells us of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they've forgotten that. And when you have churches that want to... There's a reason that we have Bible study time and there's a reason that we do these things. It's because if we don't come together and and the name of the Lord Jesus Christ is not exalted... then we just need to go on home and just do whatever it is you're going to do. But understand something, as we do that, and I say this in humility because, listen, we are a train wreck. 
okay? We are. We like to pick on the nation of Israel in the Old Testament and go, those people were so stupid. We're just like them. And we have the Holy Spirit. And we like to pick on Peter. Man, he couldn't control his mouth. We're just like him. But you look what God did over time in the life of Peter. And that encourages. And God deals in remnants. God deals in remnants that are small numbers that God brings together that, that like in the book of Malachi in chapter 3, these folks gathered together and they spoke to one another about God. And they searched His Word. And God leans over to one of His scribe angels, as it were, and says, write that down in the book, what they're doing. Now, it doesn't mean He's going to forget. It means He's trying to tell us they're doing it right. It was a remnant, a small group. And as we go along, and as we have learned to apply the Word of God in our life, we're going to get waylaid, and there's going to be attacks, and there's going to be things that said, and just situations. And our first thing is to bow up and want to go, alright, come on. And God's going, whoa, 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 whoa. What did I tell you in Romans 12? You let me handle it. You just keep seeking me and you keep focusing on me and you keep showing the love of Christ to those whomever they may be. See, that's Christ-likeness. That's all that live godly. See, living godly has nothing to do with what you do and what you don't do. I can tell you right now that when it came to the Mosaic Law, there's there none of us here that could, could cross all the T's and dot all the I's like the Pharisees. Do you know what Jesus called them? Why did sepulchers and John the Baptist call them you generation of vipers? You snakes. How are men drawn through us to the Lord Jesus Christ? This shall all men know, and this is basic stuff, that you are my disciples, or you are seeking to be Christ-like, if you what? Have love one for another. Paul's letter to the church in 1 Corinthians says, let everyone desire another's wealth or their best. We went over spiritual gifts. I don't know how long we were in there, but it was a while. What are those for? To strengthen and encourage and build up one another. Why are we to produce the fruit of the Spirit? That word fruit there in Galatians 5 says it's, it's what nourishes. How many like a good apple? Are you like me? You go to the store and you pick them up and you're like, Tink, and you want to hear that little echo kind of thing. you know? Because if you hit it and it goes, <laughs> you don't want that one. Right? Some may. I don't know. 
But you know what I mean? Or your watermelon, you know? You, you, there's a sound. You know, when I was a kid, I'd what are you doing? You know, my mom just said, just never mind. You know, she was checking that watermelon, make sure she didn't want to go home and have a soggy, you know that chalky kind of watermelon? Like, y'all got pigs? We got two pigs. Guess what? Pigs get watermelon. I mean, a good apple, man, it just, you know, when I'm shooing, the best thing I have is I'll have a couple apples sitting there, and I make sure they're the ones that, you know, got that orange, you know, that big Fuji one. And what does it do? It nourishes me. It just, man, all right, another two horses. Grab Can another you share apple. share with the horses now? Huh? Can you share with the horses? No. <laughs> I used to have one that if I gave him half my sandwich, we were good. He'd eat bologna, doesn't matter. But it, fruit that we produce in our life is to nourish and strengthen one another. And that is why we come together. That is what living godly is about. Displaying those Christ-like characteristics. And when we do that, we are going to have evil come our way. We need to be ready. We, yes, ma'am. You know what? You know what kicks in there. Do you even say anything to them? Just discernment. I just smile and go, man, everything's great, and we. I go on to the next subject. Yeah, and I'm going to get into that, by the way. See, Satan wants to bait us. You're going to see in James chapter one that when, and I'm not going to quote it because I don't want to steal his deal. But basically, it kind of has to do with this bait that's there to catch us. And that's again, don't be overcome by evil. Don't be overcome by those things. What's that? What's that guy on on the uh, uh, Lion King? Put your past and your behind, or whatever it is. It's over. It's done. Let's move forward. Things happen against us. Persecutions happen. Father, give me the grace and the strength and keep moving forward. Show people love. Overcome evil with what is good. Because it's not our job to avenge. It's not our job to... You follow what I'm saying? And this is what happened. This is why God established government. You know, government was ordained by God to do what? Verse 2, Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. In other words, those that are evildoers, those that commit crimes, those that do what is wicked and evil, God set up government to deal with them. Not us. Verse 3, for rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. 
Wilt thou then be not afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. You know, the Bible even says that those in government are ministers of God. Let me ask you something. We, we live in a day when all we hear about is governmental corruption. Is it true? What did I say at the beginning? When God ordains something, it's good. Man gets involved and he begins to corrupt it when he gets his eyes off of God and what his purpose is. We see it today. You know, government is there for that. Sometimes government is used to judge a nation that has turned their back on God. But what should our response be? Verse 5, Wherefore ye... Who's the ye? It's we. It's us. Wherefore ye must needs be subject not only for wrath, okay, that's the consequences, but for conscience sake. I heard somebody say one time, boy, it's sure nice to have a president that I can pray for instead of the one I had that I had to pray about. And I went, where is that in Scripture? Praying about a president. Usually when we say we're praying about somebody, let's just say government, because that's where we're at. What are we saying? God, do something to them and hide the grave. Get them. Sick them. What did Paul tell Timothy? In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. It says, pray what? About king? No, it said, pray for kings and those in authority. You know what our response should be to government? We need to pray for those in those positions. Anybody here pray for Obama's salvation while he was president? I'll pray for this one now. <laughs> I'll tell you what. God opens their eyes and they trust Christ as Savior. You want to watch some stuff change? Because the Bible still says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. But what if they don't? God will handle it. But I believe, listen, I wholly believe in God's promises. And when it says somebody trusts Christ and they're a new creature, I believe it. And I leave it up to God. As long, I think government... As long as they're going along and don't compromise our beliefs. Well, we'll get to that. Okay. Because that's right here with government. No, we'll get to that. But what is our response to be? As much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. The Bible says that. End of story. 
Bible says we're to pray for these individuals. The Bible says that we're to live our life in such a way that they'll speak ill of us, but they have no cause to speak ill of us. But what happens when government... What happens when... And we got a taste of this during that COVID stuff. And I really felt for a lot of pastors, they didn't know what to do. What do we do? Government's telling us we can't meet and come together. What's the Bible tell us in Hebrews chapter 13? Forsake not, or, yeah, 13, 10, verse 25. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves as a manner of some is, but exhorting one, one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. I think God for those pastors that said, you know what? Like Peter and John in, in Acts chapter 5. We must obey God rather than man. And they came together. Some went, you know what? We're going to meet and we got, you know, they had the, the speaker system with the radios and everybody still came together. And it, How many remember the story about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in Daniel chapter 13? Remember that old deal? Nebuchadnezzar built has this idol and he said, y'all are going to worship this idol. And y'all are going to kneel down and this is what you're going to do. And guess what? There was three that went, men that hated those men spoke out against him and they brought him to Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar said, what are you doing? And they said, listen, we will not worship any other God than our God. And we believe that God will deliver us. And then one of the greatest verses in the Bible, but if not, we still ain't going to bow to that. We all know what happened. God delivered them. Listen. There are times, and there will be times, that we have to stand on the principles of the Word of God in the face of a government maybe that is corrupt, maybe that... And you know what? We'll know. We'll know when that time is. But even then, we stand in a way that honors God. Okay? You know, Peter and John, the way they stood in front of the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees and the scribes. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they didn't rail against Nebuchadnezzar. They didn't tell him he was an idiot or a moron or God's going to kill him. They said, no, this is what we're going to do. How we stand is as important as that we stand. 
people do ill against us, how we respond is our response. What's the most important thing? That Christ be lifted up. And Jesus said, and if I be lifted up, I'll do what? I'll draw all men unto myself. And of course, he was speaking of the crucifixion, but there's a deeper meaning to this. And God ordained government, special calling, a special occupation. Man can get in and corrupt. Our response to that needs to be tempered with the response of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me ask you something. Did Jesus jump down Pilate's throat? When Jesus was pulled in front of Caiaphas, did he jump down his throat? I mean, he could have just thought it and it all went away. Think about that. He didn't rail against him. He didn't condemn him. He didn't any of those things. But he didn't waver from his purpose. He stood. Did the Apostle Paul... Can you find it where the Apostle Paul rails and mocks and speaks ill of government in his letters? If you can, please show me. Guess who the ruler was at the time he was imprisoned in Rome that he appeared in front of? Real friendly kind of guy. Real jovial just a real people person. The guy's name was Nero. I can't help but think that Nero didn't get the gospel. Can you imagine that Roman soldier that was that was chained to Paul? Guy had to have gotten saved. I mean, the greatest evangelist we ever saw is chained to him. Guess what he's going to hear about? Guess who he's going to hear about night and day? How's your dinner? By the way, did I tell you Jesus loves you? Did Paul waver? No, he did not. Did he stand and said, I will not cease to speak of the Lord Jesus Christ? No, he did not. There may come a time and place when we have to stand. To our own peril. We'll know. We will know. But until then, we pray for those in authority. We, like Daniel, pray and ask God to forgive us think of all the innocent lives over how many years? 40, 50 years now that have been taken.
it even our history? Yet God has still raised remnants here and there in this country to do His work. And to lift up and exalt the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, even paying taxes. How dare I say that? <laughs> Verse 7, Render therefore to all their dues tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, and honor to whom honor. What did Jesus say? Give unto Caesar that which is Caesar, but give unto God that which is God. It's a testimony issue. That's tough. Because there's, I tell you, we, we start thinking about all the stuff going on and we can get so wrapped around the axle and just all of a sudden want to take on the whole world. And we got to remember, why are we here? You know, we are the only Bible, we are the only example of Jesus Christ that many will ever see. And there will be those that hate you and hate me. There will be those that want to destroy us. It's alright. Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He said, I got you with my right hand. It's a good thing he's got me with his right hand because if it was my right hand hanging on to him, we might have a problem. Yeah, we can be frustrated. We can, we can be upset and we can be offended and even to a point of wrath because of some of the stuff that we see going on. But how do we respond? How do we act? Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 1 that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Paul goes on to say, of whom I am chief. What's more important? A few of our rights being stepped on? Or maybe the possibility of God using us in our testimony to lead one of those very individuals to Christ. That's tough. That kind of makes you... Yeah, I don't... Really? What's more important? Like I said, we'll know when it's time to say no. We will not cease to worship. We will not worship other gods. We will not condone this action. Because God says so. And we're going to stand on His truth and His word. But we need to do it in the right way. Great, nobody's throwing something at me. That's always good. 
between between teaching on the local church and teaching on our response to government, man, I'm telling you, I almost need one of those presidential shields. Sometimes I feel like it. It's not weakness. The Bible says that Jesus was meek and lowly. What does meek mean? Controlled strength. He could have spoke and it was over. Father, they are not worth this. I am not doing this. But he submitted himself to the will of the Father. Moses, the Bible says, was the meekest man on the earth at that time. I got a feeling that, that Moses was pretty stout. <coughs> Isn't he the same guy that killed the Egyptian with his bare hands? A soldier? Bible says in, in, in Acts when, when Timothy or uh, uh, the, the martyrs, Stephen was speaking to the Pharisees, he said Moses was mighty in word and deed. Moses was not to be trifled with, but yet he was meek. Meekness is not weak. Self control. Which, by the way, is a fruit of the Spirit. Alright, I kept you long enough. Let's pray. Father, I thank You for the Lord Jesus, Father. I thank You that You have blessed us with a responsibility and a privilege of seeking to be Christ-like in our attitude and actions to those around us, Father. Lord, help us to be that city set on a hill, that light, Father. Lord, there will be there will be persecutions, there will be trials, there will be uh, hurtful things done, Lord. But help us to uh, give us the grace to stay above those things and to show kindness and just keep moving forward, Lord, and understand that you have got these things under control. And Lord, if there ever does come a time where we need to stand like Peter and John, we need to stand like the three young men in front of Nebuchadnezzar, or the Lord Jesus in front of Pilate, or Paul in front of Nero, Father. Uh, you give us the grace and strength and wisdom to know when and how to stand. Father, that we understand like You told Samuel that they're rejecting You. Lord, I pray now that You would just watch over us this week with everything going on. We ask You for safety and wisdom, Lord, and protection. Father, we just again thank You for the Lord Jesus and the cross at Calvary. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen.